Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. The difference between being sober and being in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you've seen them too. Those people are sober, but it's like, do you really want what they have? I mean, they sit in the same seat every night, spewing the same pages of the big book, drinking a gallon of coffee and having a half a dozen donuts at eight o'clock at night and talking about how spiritual they are. And I'm sorry, but I don't want that. So I would rather talk to the guy who's like struggling and working through it and getting through it sober. That's the person that I want to talk to and that I want to learn from. And, you know, life's going to throw its obstacles at you. But part of the self-esteem thing is ego turns hurdles into walls. This is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast about ending the stigma around addiction and mental health issues. Your host, Jason, here, background of alcoholism, some childhood trauma. My co-host over there, Uncle Mikey. What is going on, people? Hey, he's been busted a time or two. Yeah, what are you going to do? Struggles a little bit with some anxiety in other areas. But, uh, hey, we're all about talking with people that take all of these uh, matters and issues Openly talk about them to destigmatize it, and uh, well, that's what knocking doors down is all about. That's Pushing right. through. Our guest, Randy Havison. What a great freaking dude, Mikey. What a good fella. Uh, Randy's got an uh, interesting story. He actually came from a very affluent family that uh, when he was a kid, his parents weren't well-to-do, actually moved from one side of the country to the other and started to do well financially, and that kind of impacted Randy's uh, mental health, especially in the area of ego, mm-hmm. which he gets into talking about uh, how he fell into addiction, substance abuse, and subsequently, when he sought sobriety, has to do with a knife and sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating his life. Yeah, no, and that, uh, I was just going to say how, but I guess you guys will just have to find out. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, Randy's a great guy. Make sure to follow him on social media, see the amazing work that he's doing. We got those links, of course, in the bio and description of the podcast. And, uh, hey, thank you again for listening to Knocking Doors Down. Don't forget to subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Also on Spotify, the iHeart app, Google Podcast. We are everywhere that you can find podcasts. And, of course, if you like the video form, like Uncle Mikey does. I prefer the video. I need to see what I'm listening to. I get you. You know what I mean? I get you. Go to our YouTube channel. Again, that link is in the description. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? 
Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Randy Havison, man, thanks for joining us on Knocking Doors Down. Uh, real pleasure to have you here. Thank you, and it's an honor being here. I, I, I've seen your work. I'm a fan, and I think you guys do a great job, so I'm, I'm just honored to be here. Awesome. We Thank appreciate you. you so much. Um, hey, we were talking about bullshitting before we started. I think we'll, let's jump and start there. Um, you Absolutely. Know, going through your website, I've watched your TED Talk multiple times, which uh, you know oh. people definitely look up Randy and, and watch. It's available on YouTube and his website. But uh, you're talking about your book, which uh, people can yeah. get through through your website. Give us that URL real quick. Uh, RandySpeaks.com. Yeah. Um, but nice and simple. Yeah, smart. <laughs> well done, Randy. But you do a lot with self-esteem workshops, uh, what you have uh, available for free. But you're talking about your book that you want to turn mm -hmm. into curriculum for schools. I think this yeah. is a great way to jump into here with you because, boy, yeah, self-esteem, man. We, we really need to narrow in on what that is. Yeah. And, and I love talking about it because it plays such a huge part in everybody's daily life. But I find that a lot of people are confused as to what self-esteem actually is. You know, we're raised with this notion that your self-esteem is based on a zip code or a label on your shirt or how many likes you have. But that actually has nothing to do with self-esteem whatsoever. Right. You know, I'm sure you guys have seen people who have everything that a person could want, you know, the good zip code and the money and the cars and all that, but they're miserable and they have no self-esteem whatsoever. But, you know, you've also met people who have what others would consider hardly anything, but they feel really good about themselves. They're confident, confidence and they have self-esteem. So what we're taught is that ego is all this outside stuff. And what I believe is that self-esteem is the inside stuff. So everything that we do either reinforces our ego or builds our self-esteem. So my work is based on helping people raise their self-esteem so they stop beating the, themselves up for mistakes that they've made or things that don't go well. You know, years ago, my I had a business and it failed and I thought my business failed. Oh my God, that means I'm a failure. And I came to realize that, no, that was the business that failed. I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, made some poor decisions, and that's what happens. But that's not a reflection of who I am. So that's what I want to teach people is how to raise your self-esteem, let go of all that bullshit that we're raised with telling us how we're supposed to define ourselves when that's not who we are. And I think it plays so much into what, what was uh, interesting and appealing for, for us to talk with you about your story because you were the kid. You came from an affluent home, uh, you know, but it, it, what fascinated me is like, okay, then how does this guy, all this stuff, again, I kind of was similar. My parents were well-to-do, but at 24, you're sitting on a bed with a knife in your hand contemplating what's the right way to cut my wrist? Is it down? Is it to the left, to the right? 
Yeah. What What was the process that got you there? Because talking to you now, it's like, this guy could have never have contemplated suicide, you know, but. Yeah, it was, it was exactly what I was talking about. You know, I, I had everything on the outside, but I was getting kicked out of college and I was getting fired from a job delivering pizza and I was losing friends all over the place because people didn't want to be around me anymore because I was all about, hey, look at me, look how cool I am, look at my great car, look at my great condo. I mean, aren't I awesome? But people like, dude, no, you're a mess. So all of those outside things didn't matter anymore because when I looked on the inside, I was dying. You know, I was doing cocaine and drinking and weed and mushrooms and all that stuff. And it was like the more I used, I thought that was going to fill that hole inside of me. But what it actually did was it made the hole bigger. So that's when I was sitting there with a knife in my hand debating which wrist do I go for first. Then I thought, well, maybe I'll just slice open my throat instead. That'll be a lot quicker. And I looked in the mirror and went, what the hell are you doing? Oh my God, how did you get here? And all of a sudden it occurred to me, dude, you have a drug problem. You need help. And that's one of the things I want to reinforce with the whole self-esteem thing is that, you know, we're taught to either just say no to drugs, but we talk about how to say no, but we don't teach people what to do if they have a problem. So I had no idea what to do. And this is back in 1984. So there were very few resources around, but I found a way to reach out for help. And, you know, the volunteer who answered the hotline that night, she saved my life. So, you know, here I am today as a result of asking for help, receiving the help, and along the way, finding some great mentors and and people who could help me out. Yeah. What do you think it was? Was there any occurrences with childhood that you think created that hole within you? You know, I I was affluent by the time I was in high school, college, but, you know, my parents had that all-American story where they started with absolutely nothing and moved to Minnesota, from Minnesota to California when I was four and my sister was three. And I think my dad had 300 bucks in his pocket and a beat up Chevy and no job and no home and just moved to California and a couple lucky breaks and real hard work he started doing really well for himself, investing in real estate in Los Angeles in the 60s, didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> and things started to get better for him and our houses started to get bigger. We went from public schools to private schools, um, got a car for my 16th birthday, but you know they were raised without money, so they didn't really know what to do with it and how to raise their kids with an appreciation of money and the things that that bought us. And it was just kind of like, just go for it. So I think that's one of the reasons why cocaine was my drug of choice, because it was really easy to afford it. Um, But there was no, there were no standards on how to manage money well for a teenager or a young adult. So how was it brought in? Like, did did you have friends that did it? Is something you always wanted to try? You saw it one time or you were influenced by an actor in a movie or favorite musician? How did that come about? Mm -hmm. Actually, the first time I did it was with a relative of mine. I went over to his house and I had smoked weed with him a few times and I went over and to his apartment and he said, hey, I got something for you to try. I'm like, what is it? He said, it's cocaine. I'm like, oh, no way, man. I'm not doing that stuff. That's like hard drugs. He said, Randy, it's no big deal. It's just cocaine. It's not like you could become addicted to it. (laughs) Right? Because this is back in 88. No, this is back in the 70s. I mean, duh, Randy. So back then, you could only become psychologically dependent on cocaine. 
cocaine, you can't become addicted. And I could believe him. So I did my first line of cocaine. And, you know, being highly ADD, I did cocaine. And that made me feel more normal than mm-hmm. anything else ever did. Right. So while everyone else is all paranoid and tweaking, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So that's where my love of cocaine started. And after that, I was like, how can I get more? Sure. About how old were you then? 17. Mm-hmm. Is that about what Mikey, when you first? Started? Oh, no, 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 no. The first time I saw cocaine, I was probably 15 years old and it scared the shit out of me and didn't yeah. want anything to do with it or go anywhere near it until I was about 19. Because like you said, and that's the perfect way to put it, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it, weed couple beers here and there that's normal we're kids that's what we do it's fine but cocaine that's like some next level shit you know so when you hear it or see it it's like oh my Mm -hmm. gosh because the first time i saw it i was like this is exactly what my parents warned me about this is happening this situation right now what's happening (laughs) and uh so i totally get what you're saying and uh yeah yeah no and so i mean but even still that's that's quite the young age to get going on it and back then it didn't seem like it though you know now i have a 16 year old daughter and i'm like holy shit I was like younger than you when I started yeah, smoking yeah. weed. And next year is when I started, I can't imagine her doing it, but you know, she has a really good head on her shoulders. We talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't vilify it at all, um, but you know, she might, she might not, but we'll talk about it either way. But I can't imagine at her age doing this stuff. But right. back then, you know, when you're 17, you think you know it all. Oh, yeah. You have all the answers for yourself and people can't tell me what to do. So, you know, it's that invincibility issue that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and definitely the time period, late 70s, 80s. I mean, Jesus, you went everywhere and it was just, you know. Hey, we're yeah. out for All right, let's go. Um, bananas. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, it's very normalized in Los Angeles. I used to live in Los Angeles, and it's like smoking a cigarette. Nobody really cares about coke over there. It's just so yeah. damn common. And it yeah. was a, a culture shock. But So I can imagine, you know, it'd be the same back in the 60s. I wouldn't know. You could tell me, but it was just like... Yeah, it wasn't that well, big. Seventies, seventies was a little before. I'm, my I'm time. sorry, seventy, seventy, yeah. seventy. But it was like it was not a big of a deal, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, it was kind of like you want a cigarette. It's like, no, you got some coke. Oh yeah, right. No, that guy over there has some. Right. So yeah, it was just everywhere. Um, all of it was. You know, this is like seventy-five to seventy-nine, mm-hmm. and it was just everywhere. More with Randy Havison coming up, including those random questions here on Knocking Doors Down. Stick around. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. You said yeah. something really interesting concerning um, your daughter and how you talk about it, not vilifying it. So 
to me, that's so, so encouraging. I know as a parent, I try to talk about the kid, my, with my kids that are virgin teenage years uh, about my downfalls and the things that led me down them. So sounds to me like, you know, you're a man that uh, doesn't only talk the talk, walks the walk, not just out there in society, but within his home. Um, yeah. How, you know, how do you approach those conversations maybe for people that are listening that, that, that whether they had a struggle or not, but in going to talk to their kids because education is the first step to prevention. Right. And what I usually suggest, number one, talk to them. Don't talk at them. Mm -hmm. And I like to talk about behaviors and consequences. Mm. And I would talk to my daughter about it. It's like, look, I went through this. And when I started, it was a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden it stopped being fun. And she actually um, experimented for a little while and we found out about it and we drug tested her one night and it came back positive. And my wife's like freaking out. Oh my God, I can't believe you would do that. And I sat down with her and I said, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed. Sure. And that was like, if I would have said I'm mad at you, it probably would have gone right over her head, but I'm really disappointed. And that got her. Shit, that got she me. Like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and and we just talked about it. Mm -hmm. I said, what was it like? She said it was actually a lot of fun. I'm like, remember when I told you it can be a lot of fun, but you have to really be careful. And especially with my history, you know, you got to be careful with it. And then she did it a couple more times and she started to watch what it did to other people. Mm -hmm. And one time someone videoed her and she watched it after and she was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be that person anymore. And she just stopped. Yeah. So she doesn't do it anymore. She doesn't want it. She loves hearing my story. She's like, Dad, tell me a story about one time when you were up in Hollywood. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, tell me about one of those. So she loves the stories. But it's like she's been through that now. And I didn't ground her. And I didn't um, you know, do any of that kind. Of, I did tell her because I told her earlier, if you do drugs, you're waiting a year to get your driver's license. Mm -hmm. So you're not gonna get it 16, you're gonna have to wait till 17. Mm -hmm. So when the drug test came back positive, I said, you know that now you're not getting your license for a year. She's like, oh my God, I forgot about that. It's like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's- One of the side effects just, of drugs, you forget shit, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, the, usually the important stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I had a job interview? Oh, I had to go to class? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I forgot um, about a whole year at one time, so. Yeah, oh, the blackouts. I didn't even know there was a name for that till I started going meet to meetings. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, I was a blackout drinker. I'm like, what's that? Where you don't remember stuff during the night. It's like, oh, there's a word for that? <laughs> Twice Whoa, stay away I didn't from know that. Yeah, yeah, okay. I qualify. Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Mine without was fail. Tequila. Oh, oh, see, I'm half Mexican, so that just kind of ran in our blood, you know? Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Jaeger, but anyways, back to what you And I got sober before Jaegermeister came out, so I never ran. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. So, yeah, I want to keep it that way. Hey, yeah. Randy, tell us a story about Hollywood. How can we resist? <laughs> I know, We got to hear it now, man. Come on. Oh, geez, there are so many. Um, well, there was a time that I was... We, there was a place in Hollywood called Flippers. Okay. And it was a roller skating rink and the band would play in the center of the roller rink and everyone would skate around the band. And it was like 20 bucks cover 
and another 20 bucks to get the states the skates and the drink prices were outrageous so me and my buddy we would go pregame before we would go there we'd go to a local pizza place and say hey do you have any pizzas that no one picked up and they say yeah we got one right there it's like can we give you five bucks for it they're like yeah sure so we give them five bucks we get the pizza we go to the back of flippers and we say hey we have a pizza delivery for security and they're like okay go on in and we go in and go to the nearest security guy and go hey man you you hungry you want some pizza they're like wow thank you and then we just get into flippers <laughs> nice it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> we get shit house and accidentally roller skate into the band in the center island or <laughs> exactly well there was at one time that i was i went there on quaaludes and i actually oh. fell down at one point and i put my hands down to brace myself and i watched someone roll right over my fingers and i looked at it and i went <laughs> that's probably going to really hurt tomorrow <laughs> And it did. It was, it was nasty. Yeah, Quaaludes. I, I'm so glad they got rid of those things. I was going to say, those are no more, right? Yeah, Ludes? No. no, they're not around anymore. They cause more damage than help. Right. Thank goodness. Right. So, yeah. so obviously the parting and everything and the excess is starting. Um, and then early on when we were talking, I brought up the, the incident where you were there with the knife. 24 was about, if I'm accurate mm -hmm. with that. So was 24. that was that the the holy shit wake up moment? I I'm I need help, and from there you yeah. sought help. Yeah. After I, well, I called the hotline. It took me like forty five minutes to actually make that call and talk to someone, and she answered the phone. Be sober hotline, and I said, Yeah, hi. Um, I think I have a drug problem, and we talked for an hour and a half. And she told me, Hey, man, I've been there. I've been clean for a year and a half now. And I was like, A year and a half, like in a row. Oh my God, that's amazing. And something inside of me said, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what do I do? And she told me about 12 step meetings. Um, that was the main thing. And she told me, you know, maybe you want to go to a treatment center, but I started looking into 12 step programs and all that. And I actually went to a treatment center and I said, do I need to come in here? He did the whole assessment and he said, you know, you sound really motivated to get sober. Why don't you go to meetings? Here's the name of a counselor, a therapist who specializes in addiction. And if you relapse, come back in. I was like, all right. And so far I haven't relapsed, so I haven't had to go back in. So wow. that day was the last day I did cocaine. And 11 days later, I had my last drink. So May 28th, 1984 is my sobriety date. So I've been clean now over 37 years. Good for you, awesome, man. Yeah. And have not looked back. It's like, you know, I've had I've had temptation. Sure. I've had the thoughts that have turned into obsession and I've done that, but I've reached out to my support network every single time. And I learned really early on that there's no situation that life can throw at me that drinking or using wouldn't make worse. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember I went to a meeting one time and this woman was talking about how she relapsed because she had a house in Del Mar and the painters came and they painted her garage door the wrong color and she just couldn't stand it and she drank. And I thought, what? That's a reason to drink? And then another guy that I know was playing with his kid and some friends in the front yard and his three or four year old kid rode his tricycle into the street and a car hit him and killed him. Oh shit tragedy horrible situation and the guy stayed clean through that situation mm -hmm. and i thought you know what it doesn't matter if it's your kid getting hit or your garage door being painted the wrong color it's whatever you tell yourself 
that you're going to buy into and the addiction is going to want to turn itself on. Right. So there's nothing that can happen that justifies using. Right. So I just, when shit would happen, I'd lose jobs. I flunk a class in college. I mean, stuff would happen in my life. And I just, I will get through this. And I just did. And it passed. You know, it's kind of like someone rolls over your fingers with roller skates. It's going to hurt for a while, but it will heal. It will get better. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like that with any situation that life throws at you. And a lot of my work on self-esteem is based on that concept that if you believe in yourself and those good things in you, things can happen around you, but they don't have to affect that core of who you are. So I started to build that pretty early without identifying it. And I learned the difference real early on in my recovery, the difference between being sober and being in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you've seen them too. Those people are sober, but it's like, do you really want what they have? I mean, they sit in the same seat every night, spewing the same pages of the big book, drinking a gallon of coffee and having a half a dozen donuts at eight o'clock at night and talking about how spiritual they are. And I'm sorry, but I don't want that. So I would rather talk to the guy who's like struggling and working through it and getting through it sober. That's the person that I want to talk to and that I want to learn from. And, you know, life's going to throw its obstacles at you. But part of the self-esteem thing is ego turns hurdles into walls. But if you're high in self-esteem, the hurdles stay hurdles. We can get over a hurdle. But walls are much more difficult to get over. So that's what I teach people how to keep life's obstacles as hurdles. And that's self-esteem. Let's talk about the difference between self-esteem and ego uh, yeah. in your work and what you've really learned. Because uh, when you're talking about that person, the donuts, the coffee, uh, kind of a flashback to me and my, because I did have attempts, relapses, attempt, relapse, you know, and until I really started to change my looking at the guy in the mirror, Nothing took place. And really, I didn't realize, I never thought I had an ego problem, but I did. And it was so fucking fragile and still is to yeah. a certain extent. Oh, absolutely. It is. And, you know, I talk about the continuum of ego and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And very few people in the history of man have attained pure self-esteem. You know, we're talking people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Jesus and, you know, people like that. On the other side, pure ego, very few people are pure ego either. All of us are somewhere on that continuum. You know, pure ego, well, there's one name that comes to mind. I hope this doesn't piss off any of your listeners, but I think Donald Trump (laughs) is like that pure ego, never does anything without personal gain to it. Sure. Sure. And that's what pure ego is all about. So all of us fall somewhere in there. But what I talk about, when you start to awaken to this difference, It doesn't matter so much where you are on that continuum. What matters more is which direction you're pointed in. And are you doing things today to reinforce your ego or are you doing things to build your self-esteem? So in my book and in my workshop, the whole thing is to give people a toolbox to build that self-esteem and let go of the ego because it does you no good whatsoever. You know, ego just keeps us down. And and you're a prime example that when you keep holding on to that ego, shit keeps happening. But when you finally surrender, and there's a difference between surrender and giving up. Giving up is a thing of the ego where we feel humiliated. Surrender is, hey, this is not my deal anymore. I'm not able to do anything about it. 
So some of those differences, the difference between cocky and confident, that's ego versus self-esteem. Humiliated versus humbled. You know, people high in ego are humiliated by things that happen in their lives. But if you have self-esteem, you're humbled. You know, wow, I really made a mistake there. I really blew it. What can I do to go make amends to anyone if I need to? But what can I do so that that doesn't happen again? So that's humility. Humiliation is, oh, my God, what are people going to think? And that's one of the biggest parts of ego. That's like one of the biggest triggers. If you have the thought, what are people going to think? How are people going to react to this? That's an ego thought. Because it's really, how am I going to do with that? Does that sit well with me? Sure. That's the self-esteem part. Yeah. With your work, um, you know, obviously being a parent myself, how have you approached that not only with your children, but others that are coming up, you know, those preteens and stuff like that? Because you said something that I remember being said in my own home, the, the well, what are other people going to think? And it's, you know, well, you know, do you like it? Are you happy with it? Do you, does it bring you joy? You know, so how do you, how do you approach that? You know, not just with say those in recovery, but you know, helping. And that's a really tough thing to let go of. And it's funny when I talked about in the whole social media thing, but not as much as she used to, because she hears me talking about this stuff all the time. You know, it's funny. I will um, be in my bedroom doing a podcast and her room is right across from mine. So she'll hear me doing the interview. So this stuff kind of sinks in and she won't say to me, Oh dad, you know, I was really looking at how I can build my self-esteem. She won't do that, but I'll overhear her talking to friends saying, you know, that's really a self-esteem thing. You know, if we talk to yourself different, maybe that would make a difference. So she's like getting it. She won't tell me she's getting it, (laughs) but but you see it. (laughs) It's seeping in. It's pretty cool. That is cool. So yeah. when when you finally started working sobriety, what what work were you doing post sobriety, and then eventually, how did you lead to wanting to give back in this way? If you would have told me at the beginning of my recovery that I would be an author and a speaker and a life coach, I would say, "Dude, you must be really high right now." <laughs> There's no way. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I needed an education. So after San Diego State University kicked me out for the second time, I got sober. And then I thought, you know what, I want to go back to college. So I went to the assistant dean of the College of Sciences at San Diego State University. I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic, but here's my 60-day chip. And I'm really serious about my recovery, and I really would like another chance. And she looked at my file, and she looked at me, and she looked back. She looks up. She goes, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I have never given anyone a third chance until today. I'm gonna give you one more chance. I want you to take one class, get a C or better, and if you do that, I'm gonna fully enroll you back in the university. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I did, and I got a C in the class. And I passed, she let me back in, and I went on to get my bachelor's degree and then went to get a master's degree. Because somewhere in there, I saw how my therapist was making a difference in my life. And I thought, let me be of service and make a difference in other people's lives. So I got my master's in counseling and started working in treatment centers, then went to private practice, then worked in an agency while I was building my practice. And um, (laughs) a friend of my mom's was the vice principal of a high school and said, hey, we're doing this new Just Say No to Drugs program. Will you come in and talk to the students? 
And I was like, yeah, I'll talk to the students because I'm big ego back then, right? Look at me. I have 90 days sober and I'm getting my bachelor's degree and I was real hot shit. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I'll go talk to the students. No problem. They said, okay, you have about 20 minutes. So I go into the program. I'm sitting in the front row with my mom and, and this woman and some of the people from the school. I didn't see who was coming into the room. And finally, they're okay, and we'd like to introduce our speaker, Randy Havison. And I get up on stage and I look out. There were a thousand high school students there. None of them wanted to be there. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, now what do I do? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to tell my story. And I just started talking. And I told my story, but I learned just telling my story, that's ego. But I wanted to tell my story in a way that I could put lessons in there that other people could relate to. And I still to this day could not tell you what I said that day, but I got a standing ovation from 1,000 high school students who didn't want to be there. And something in me clicked. I was like, okay, that was really cool. I want to do that again. And that began my speaking career. And I started speaking high schools and colleges. And then someone at a college said, hey, I know someone in Northern California and they're uh, hiring someone to run their drug and alcohol program. Can I tell them about you? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I was hired as a coordinator of alcohol and other drug programs at University of the Pacific down the street from you guys. Yes, sir. That's right. And I worked there for a year and it was great, but the grant ended and they ended my position. They didn't want to pay for We don't have a drug problem here at our school. We don't have <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Stockton yeah. has no drug problem at no, all. No, nothing. no, nothing. I wasn't going to say anything, but. Lily white clean, right? Yeah, there are no problems in Stockton. Ugh. It's so sarcasm for everybody dogs. listening who hasn't been to Stockton. There, There is very much so drug problems in Stockton. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, I wanted to uh, pass legislation to make I-5 90 miles an hour through Stockton so you could get in and out of there as fast as possible. You got my <laughs> vote, buddy. You got my vote. <laughs> oh, that play. I feel, you know, some people are doing really well and thriving there, but oof, I, I really struggled. That was a tough one. And I did a lot of community work, too. And it was that was a rough spot. I'm sure. Yeah. There's so a, then yeah. I went on to other universities. I worked at James Madison University in Virginia, oh, wow. and I worked at Valdosta State University down in South Georgia. And I had a really good time doing that until my speaking career was taking off. And I thought, you know, I think I can reach more people as a professional speaker than I can just working on one college campus. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. My life has been such a dream. And it was hard work. I mean, I had to really work my ass off to get where I am today, but it would, I look back and it was so worth it. And now I'm living in Orlando and I'm doing life coaching so I can work with people from all over the country. Uh, my book is selling well. I'm building a curriculum that's going to go out to, to schools. But here's, here's another key to this thing. It is so important in building self-esteem and, and solidifying your recovery to learn how to have fun too. You know, I remember early in my recovery, my therapist was like, dude, you have to learn how to have fun sober. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And I had to learn how to have fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm living in Orlando and dude, I am having so much fun at Disney World. I (laughs) I go to the different parks and Disney Springs and I love it so much. I just got a part-time job at Disney. Oh, no shit. What are you you doing at Disney? Dude, I'm working the monorails. 
Oh, I'm going to get cool. to learn how to be a pilot of the monorails. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh. I'm a Disney fan. My mom's a nut, and, and, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So now that they oh. have all that shit there, it's like, uh, yeah. you know. Dude, you've got to come out to Orlando. And I know that we're online here, but, you know, you seem like a cool guy. you got to look me up when you come. Because yeah. now as a Disney cast member, I get free tickets. And discounts on restaurants and hotels and merchandise and all kinds. Of, I'll totally hook you up. Hell yeah! So, <laughs> be, yeah. Like, be like, Mikey, yeah. I'm using that vacation. I'm going by myself. There you go. I'm yeah. gonna go hang out yeah. with Randy. Totally hook you up. Yeah, I'll just hang out here, guys. You guys have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, this is the recovery thing. It's, you know, you want to know how to knock doors down. Learn how to have fun with who you are. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. Learning how to become your own best friend. Yeah. rather than treating yourself like your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can make a mistake on something and I beat myself, oh my God, you're so stupid, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you did that. Oh my God, how can you do And I would just chew on myself. But if my best friend did the same thing, what would I say to my best friend? Usually it's like, hey man, it's okay. You messed up, but it's all right. You'll, you'll get through this. So I needed to learn how to treat myself like my own best friend rather than my own worst enemy. And you do that, you're going to knock down any door that gets in your way. Hell yeah. So yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a little, I'm, I'm fascinated now by what you do for fun because like my thing, and it sounds like that child at heart is, uh, I started building Legos again, Star Wars, but Ooh, you know, that's kind of like nice. my thing. So what's what's kind of the the child and randy other than disneyland and and parenting and all that stuff uh disney world is probably most of it Mm. um because you know it's like what do i feel like doing today i think i'll go over to animal kingdom and even if i don't go on a ride i just like being in that environment Mm. you know i'm around happy people and now that the pandemic you know it's it's still out there and and please get vaccinated that's something (laughs) self-esteem you can do for yourself um you know, I'll see a family and, and the dad is taking the picture of the family. And I'm like, hey, do you want me to take that picture for you? And I'll say, I'm vaccinated, so it's okay. Can I take the picture for you so all of you can be in the picture together? They're like, oh, my God, thank you. And I've had people say, this is the only picture we have on our entire vacation of all of us. Yeah, and yeah. for me, that's like being of service. Yeah. And being of service is like the key to me. I joined our local Rotary chapter. I knew nothing about Rotary until I got here and people were telling me about it. And we have this brand new Rotary chapter. So I joined it and we get to go do service work in the schools and, and go do Habitat for Humanity houses. And, you know, I love just being around people and, and going to Disney and going to movies and miniature golf and bowling and, you know, all those kind of things. So, and I can have fun just being by myself watching Marvel movies on TV. You know, yeah. Oh, you guys are two peas in a pod talk. right now, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll we'll talk later. Um, but yeah, you know, and and enjoy the little things too. Even if I'm just sitting at home watching, you know, Endgame again. Um, it's fun for me, and and I just enjoy my time. And with my daughter, whenever she's like, hey. Can, now she's into like crystals and all kinds of stuff. It's like, hey, I found this new metaphysical shop. Can we go? It's like, absolutely, let's go. Right. So I love hanging out with her and, and going and checking out different restaurants, playing with my dog. You know, life is just fun. And I've, I've also learned, you know, the two things that are like the keys to me are to always have a sense of gratitude and to be of service wherever I can. 
You know, that's why doing things like this, for me, this is part of my service. Mm-hmm. You know, I love doing this kind of thing. If, if I can even help one person, then it was worth doing it, you know? Absolutely. So that's kind of what it is. And gratitude for everything that happens because every day is a gift. I, If you look at it logically, like if you go to Mr. Spock and say, here's the chronology of what happened, he would say, it is completely illogical that you are alive with even one brain cell left. I'm like, I know. So it's every day, just gratitude for what I have and, and what I'm able to do. So, you know, I'm 61 now. The mind isn't as sharp as it used to be. You know, the other day I was telling my wife, I wanted something out of the pantry and I went over there and I opened the microwave and I was like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> Closed the microwave, went to the pantry, but it's like, holy shit, man. Okay, I'm getting a little older, but that's okay. And I treated myself like my best friend. If my best friend did that, I'd be like, dude, what was that? <laughs> and that it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this. How could I do that? If I wanted, I don't beat myself up anymore. I just let myself be human. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that notion of perfection is a tool of the ego. Right. Because self-esteem, there's no such thing as perfection right. with self-esteem. Everything is imperfect and it's okay. Yeah. Well, and that's an interesting thing about gratitude that I've started to um, and even converse with others and recognize in my own life. And I don't recall if we've talked about it in this way, Mikey, but like even have gratitude for the things that are shitty because guess what? You don't know what they're going to be down the line much like i could relate to you and you're like if you had told me back then like if you had told me two years ago that i'd be doing this now with this guy that we've been friends i don't know near a decade now i would i would i feel like you're fucking full of shit there is no way and in that total change it's like wow you know thank you for the shitty stuff because now it allows like you said it's it's one of those elements for us 12 steppers is is give back, you know, helping even the yeah. one person. And, uh, you know, when we get that message from someone, as I'm sure with you that you do, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, I have a purpose, which plays yeah. into self-esteem totally away from ego. I, w- I would think you probably, yes? Totally. And, and it's looking for the little thing, you know, especially like what we've been going through the past year and a half you know, with COVID and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, it's horrible that so many people have died and what it's done to our society. But my daughter was home for all of her 10th grade. We spent so much time together. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. And I learned so many things about myself and the world around me. When you take away some of the, the curtains, you can kind of see what's real and what's really important. You know, I couldn't wait until everyone was vaccinated my family you know i live in florida my family's here in la i couldn't wait to come out here for a few days and spend time with them mm-hmm. so and right now you know my dad just had his 81st first birth 85th birthday wow. last week and my mom it's her oh she doesn't want me to say it. it's the 61st anniversary of her 22nd birthday <laughs> day. so i wanted to come out here and spend time with them and do that so i was able to do it and it's like oh my god my wife was like but you have the podcast and you have these other things i said my other appointments i can change and this I'll just set up the laptop somewhere in the house and I'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. So you just adjust and you learn how to make it work, whatever is happening and look for the things to be grateful for. Even in a pandemic, there are things to be grateful for. 
Oh, I agree. I was telling everybody during the pandemic, I was grateful for the fact of how much money I was saving because we don't go anywhere. You just stay home. It's like so. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not to yeah. mention and I'm now an introvert. Everyone's so. buying, I mean, just the economy, the way things are going, it's really cool. But, you know, just got to get more people vaccinated and we don't have to wear masks anymore. And we can go back to more of a, you know, whatever the new normal is. You know, I hear people say that, too. I just want it to go back to normal. It's like, what is normal? Yeah. Normal is just a setting on the dryer, man. That's what my mom always said. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we're going to have a new normal. You know, again, normal is one of those ego things. I just want to be safe. I want to be in my comfort zone. But, you know, part of life is living outside that comfort zone and learning how to be comfortable there. You know, everything we do in recovery is outside of our comfort zone. But the more we learn how to make the uncomfortable comfortable and we learn how to stretch ourselves and be in the world, when we have that solid sense of esteem, we get along so much better and things aren't as scary out there. But wanting normal Nah, I, I don't like normal. I want to get out there and enjoy life. And, and you know, I told my mom, oh, my God, I'm going to be working on the monorail. And she's like, are you crazy? Where did you come from? Because <laughs> she likes her safety. Sure. But I, nah, I, I just want to enjoy everything that life has to offer. Yeah. And it's great. And usually I tell people I'm 61 years old. And they're like, what? Because I just... I'm having more fun than most people who are 45 that I know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm. I'm finally learning to have fun again, you know, and just let 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 more of that that kid come out and just be kind of fuck it. Uh, let's give it a shot. And uh, will will it kill you? I, mm -hmm. It depends on what it is, but hell, it'll be a hell of a story if it does, you know. So absolutely, whatever, yep. you know. Yeah, uh, hell. Yeah, you just I remember when my daughter was young. One day she came to me, and there were like these. I don't know, almost like calluses on my knees. And she looked at me, you know, she was probably six or seven. She's like, daddy, what are those on your my knees so much playing with her and, you know, doing dress up with her and letting her play with my hair and all that kind of stuff that I was getting calluses on my knees because I was down there playing with her so much. Oh, what a gift. Yeah. What a beautiful gift. Shit, I'm 33 and I'm like, this guy is having way much more fun. I need to get out there and go have fun too. So go do it, bro. Yeah. Go do it. There's there's so much out there to explore and enjoy. Ah, life is beautiful. Yeah. If we just stay out of our own way, yeah. life is beautiful and anything is possible. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, Randy, before we get to the uh, fun random questions and uh, leave you with some of uh, the uh, positive final words, uh, yeah. there's, there's something I really like that you do, and it's removing the words can't and should. That, yeah. I, that I thought would be really valuable to share with people. Why did you come to those conclusions that, that, and just feel that you had to express that out there? You know, I would hear people use those words all the time. They say, oh, I can't get an A in this class. Oh, I can't lose these last 10 pounds. Oh, I can't ask her out for a date. And it's like, wait a minute, it's not can't. And can't is one of those words that turns a hurdle into a wall. Mm -hmm. It's not that I can't lose these last 10 pounds. Do I really want to put in the effort to do that? Because I can if I want to. Right. It's not that I can't. I can. Or I can't get an A in this class. Well, do your very best and go for tutoring and ask the teacher for help and do what you need to do. And then you just do your best. So can't is one of those words that turns a hurdle into a wall. You know, I can't quit drinking. How many times did we say that? 
until we finally said, you know, it's not about can't. I, I'm going to. I'm going to stop. I'm going to make this work. And then we do. And should is another one of those obstacle words where, you know, I should exercise more. I should quit drinking. I should do this. I should do that. I should. All we end up doing is shitting all over ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and all that does, should is like a metal sledgehammer that we hit ourselves over the head with to say, I'm not good enough. Okay. Should means I'm not good enough because you should be better. You should be thinner. You should be smarter. You should do this and you should do that. It's not about should. You know, I should exercise more. Do I really want to? I should eat better. Do I want to eat better? Actually, yeah, I do. I'd like to eat a few more vegetables during the day. So should is such a negative word that we throw on ourselves that when we get rid of it, life becomes lighter and it turns those walls into hurdles, which again, are are a lot easier to get over. Yeah, and it's a lot, you know, for us 12 steppers, you know that it plays in into the, the the program you know and then making that you know those steps forward as a person in our life changes yeah absolutely but let me talk about the number one obstacle word that i i talk about all the time and it's so important to get this word out of our vocabulary because it serves the ego and does not serve the self-esteem at all and i watch this word being thrown all over the place and if i could like snap my finger if, if there was a genie that said you have three wishes what's what's your third one it would be to get rid of this word and that word is try Right. What it happens when a, we try to quit drinking? It wouldn't be to wish for a thousand more wishes, Randy. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> okay, no, all no, right. No, no. But it, proceed. Try. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So try. You know, when you think about it, I'll try to quit drinking. I'll try to. What happens when someone says, "Oh, I'll try to be there on time"? You know, they're going to be late. Oh yeah, that fucker's going to be late. <laughs> yeah. So try is one of those things that keeps us from taking a hundred percent of the responsibility for something that's going on. So to say I did my best is much better than try. Oh, I tried. No, like the person who won the silver medal. Oh, they tried to win gold. They attempted it, but they did their very best and still got silver. So they can either accept that as well. Look what I did. I got a silver medal or they can beat themselves up for not getting the gold. We were actually be a lot just happier talking. If they accept that. We were huh? just talking about that. We were saying try, and I was like, well, when MJ lost, he he tried, but he just didn't succeed. But he did his best. Okay, so you cleared that up for us. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I did my very best. And how many times do we do our very best with something and it doesn't work out? But as a result of that, something else happens that's right. even better than if that would have worked out. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay. So, you know, the whole try thing, it, it's got to go. You know, one of my favorite expressions, and, and you're going to appreciate this, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, when Luke Skywalker goes to Yoda and he's being trained on being a Jedi, and, and Yoda says, use the force, get the plane out of the water. And Luke uses the force and it comes out a little bit and then it drops back down. Do it again. And he does it again and it comes back down. One more time. And he, it goes up. And he said, do it again. And Luke says, but Yoda, I'm trying. And Yoda says, no, there is do or do not. There is no try. I thought, whoa, wisdom from a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Right after you said, whoa, Star Wars music came on. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But it's not about, we don't, 
trying is not what it's about. It's about doing the very best we can. Mm -hmm. And try is one of those things that keeps us from, from really putting all the effort into it and taking responsibility for what happens as a result. Mm. Absolutely. Gotcha. Well, Mike, you got anything else for Randy before we jump to some uh, random questions? I don't. You cleared that up. The try thing is what I wanted to talk about, but how you put it, just all put it into perspective. It makes 100% sense. So I cool. got you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we absolutely. were having a debate about it. You know, where I you, was like, there is very much so a thing of try. <laughs> what do you mean? Like anybody who's in like NASCAR, you like NASCAR. If somebody gets second, they tried to get first, but they did. They did their best. They, they did, did their, their best. best. And you, you yeah. cleared it up for us. Cool. So let's Yay. get into the rapid question. All right. You're up first, Uncle Mikey. Now, you're a very, I could tell you're a very sweet, loving guy, glass half full. So this question is just fun. It's not relevant to anything. Yeah. If you had to fight either, wait, what was it? How did it go? If you had to fight the chicken the size of a horse or 10 horses the size of chickens, which one would you pick? 10 horses. Same. Ten, ten chicken size horses. Small. Yeah, yeah but just they're, kick the shit out but they're of strong as hell. Horses are strong. Even the size of a chicken, they're still yoked. But yeah, I'd pick no, this. No, I'm, I'm good with that. But you have that big pecker thing I coming know. at you. Yeah. Boom. No way, man. One hit and I'm gone. Yeah, but the horses, what are they going to do? Kick me in the shins? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Definitely 10 horses. Agreed. Yeah, you handle that. And the, the talons are big, man. Chickens are fucking mean. Oh, yeah. No, chickens are yeah. shit at me. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's hey, see. when you said random, you weren't shitting. Oh, no. We're oh, kidding. no. <laughs> How many windows are in New York? No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not what it was. A lot. Uh, <laughs> if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you and what genre would it be? Ooh. Oh, that would be awesome. Um, playing me, Robert Downey Jr. would be awesome. Hell yeah. Love him. Um, and what genre? I don't know. I'm really into like um, kind of that sci-fi adventure, Conan the Barbarian, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones type stuff. Mm. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, if be, we could do that. That'd be pretty cool to wrap your story into that, you know? I know, right? Oh, uh. oh that would be really cool. Okay, now I'm going to go off on this. <laughs> So you mentioned Disney. Uh, my mother is a huge fan of Disney, and her ver she loved all the evil queens and whatnot. She loves Maleficent. So yeah. my question to you is, who is your favorite Disney character? Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Ah. Oh, still from the yeah, he's the my poor. guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know the the ever the forever child, the one who always sees wonder in everything that's going on, and still a little mischievous. But it's all about taking care of the Lost Boys. Mm -hmm. And I'm really big on taking care of the Lost Boys and the people out there who are really suffering and getting in their own way. Yeah. You know, I love making a difference in their lives and just letting go and flying and find pixie dust wherever you can. My friends used to call me Peter Pan, not for that reason, just because I used to wear skin tie pants, had the long hair leather jacket. So they're like, you look like Peter Pan with my long hair, but that's neither here nor there. A grunge Peter Pan. Yeah, right. right. Uh, <laughs> shit. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? You know, the easy one is flying, mm -hmm. but it would be really cool to have a superpower you know those ones where like they speak a word and it's like poof, 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 all that stuff comes out? Yeah. If I could do that and people would just be more loving and kind to each other. I love it. 
That's a new one. Like I see an argument on the street and I'm like, boom. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. That would be an awesome superpower. Yeah, We've got sure. so many little things here that would make such good movies or TV <coughs> series, I tell you. <laughs> you know um, any good writers? Let's do it. Do we? I do. Huh? Yeah. I know some film writers. Can I have a role in it too, guys? Yeah. Yeah, Sweet. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Of course. What was the last It'll be song? all our friends and family in the background. <laughs> oh, I love it. And we watch the movie, we're like, oh my God, there's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, what was the last song you listened to? 46 and 2 by Tool. Oh, nice. right on. Yeah. Love we're... that song. It's my favorite song. Before I do a lot of shows, I'll listen to songs that really impact me and 46 and 2 is my favorite. Nice. You are badass cuz I would definitely wouldn't have nailed you for a Tool fan. My household, my really? kids and I all Tool fans. Uh, that was Chris, oh, that was Christmas uh, just before the pandemic. That that's what we did. We went and saw Tool. Have you ever seen them live? They yeah. are amazing live. Yeah, I took my kids for Christmas as uh, what's that 2 3 years ago? That was our Very that was cool. our trip. Yeah, that's badass. Uh, nice. Uh, let's see, last one for you. If you were stuck on a deserted island, what one movie and one music album would you take with you? Endgame is the movie, absolutely. And the album would probably be, ooh, uh, either Physical Graffiti oh. or Fear Inoculum by Tool. Yeah, that mm. is a freaking great album. Yeah, um, that would be a tough choice. Oh God, yeah. The music, the music and movie. This one would be very tough for me if, to to be asked. Mike, you got one more before we leave Randy with the the closing words. Yeah, we could do another one. What advice would you give to your previous boss if you could? <laughs> <laughs> Let it fly. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a situation a couple years ago where I went to go work for a friend of mine at a university. I was living in Southern California at the time. And he was like, hey, we have an opening at the university. I'm like, oh my God, can I apply for it? That would be so much fun. And I went to work for him and he turned out to be a total dick. Uh -huh. I mean, he was horrible. Again, on the outside, he made everything look okay. But on the inside, he was so insecure and such a horrible manager. Right. Um, that my advice to him would be quit. <laughs> do everybody around you a favor and just quit <laughs> I love it uh, and Randy this has been a real uh, pleasure and an honor speaking with you uh, it, we like to leave the guests with the last words of encouragement anyone that's struggling not just with obviously addiction mental health and, and, and self esteem uh, being such a huge part of that it's okay to ask for help and most of it is learning how to get out of your own way. That the tools are gonna to be there, the resources are gonna be there to get you the help you need and the support you need if you just get out of your own way. And learn how to become your own best friend rather than treating yourself like your own worst enemy. Thank you again, Randy Havison. <laughs> what a good dude. You know, I speaking of these random questions, and yes, he is a good dude, I don't think anybody would fight a horse-sized chicken. If you were smart, I think that's a you, stupid question. You would not fight a horse-sized chicken. Yeah, it's a stupid question, but picture, you know, 10 or 20 
chicken-sized horses, that's still terrifying. Sure. But a horse-sized chicken, dude, one peck and you're done. That thing would fuck you up. I got to come up with different questions. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. We'll get different ones for you. Uh, I really enjoyed that. That's the, this conversation with Randy. That's the fun thing about, uh, you know, we really meet these people when when the audience does too. I never would have thought a guy that, uh, much like myself, sits and enjoys the Marvel movies, uh, Disney, Star Wars, all that stuff. So, uh, you know. I'll just wait here. When you guys go to Disneyland, just uh, send me a postcard. Yeah. Yeah. We talked a little bit afterwards. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Disney World. Disney, Disney World. World. Yeah. Because yeah. he lives in Orlando even afterwards. Hey, I got I got room. You and your kids can come and stay and we'll hit up the parks. And what a great guy. I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> Uh, again, we thank you guys for uh, listening to the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Please share with a friend. Uh, you know, that's the best way that uh, we grow. If you find these uh, engaging, helpful to yourself, uh, share it with a friend. That that helps us continue to uh, build this audience, and we're so appreciative of it. Of course, on the Apple Podcast app, where you can leave us a five-star rating, a review, helps us climb up those charts. It's also available on the iHeart app, Spotify, Google Podcast. We are where Ever you get them, and of course, uh, the preferred way that Mikey enjoys them because he likes the video on our YouTube channel, and that link, of course, in our bio or at kddpodcast.com. Speaking of inspiration, don't forget to pick up your copy of Carlos Vieira's autobiography, Knocking Doors Down. 100% of the proceeds go to the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Our partners there doing amazing work with the Race to End the Stigma program that surrounds mental health, the race for autism, helping families who have children with autism with different kinds of scholarship funding for care, uh, education, and so much more. And of course, Gloves Not Drugs, a uh, program keeping kids off the streets, involved in activities away from gangs and and drugs. And uh, again, all those proceeds from the Knocking Doors Down autobiography go to the Carlos Vieira Foundation. You can get that by clicking that link or going to kddmediacompany.com. Anything else, Uncle Mikey? No, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the Race for Autism, Race to End the Stigma, and Race to Be Drug Free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website in no way does 
listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.